Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Serena Short. Paying close and good attention to our mental and emotional health is so critical. It is so entwined with our physical health, with how we are in life and the world. And without question, these past two years have been a huge challenge. That needs addressing. And we have seen some high-profile stories of people acknowledging the need for mental health support. So to address this and more, we have Serena Short joining us. Serena is a licensed mental health counselor with Pacific Medical Centers here in the Puget Sound. She brings us encouragement, suggestions, and even a career path opportunity. Serena Short, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Thank you, Kate. It's so good to be here. Well, I appreciate your taking time uh, to be with us this morning. We're actually connecting on Black Friday, so, you know, people are out in the hustle and bustle. But it's important um, at this time for us to have this particular conversation, which people are going to be hearing. They know it's Sunday morning. And uh, so this big holiday is kind of, you know, in the rearview mirror. But we're looking ahead to multiple different celebrations going on throughout the month ahead and then right into New Year's. So here we are, um, not only holidays, but the seasons are changing, the days are getting shorter. What does this actually do to our health, particularly our mental health? Yes. So, you know, it's tough because the days are gray, they're rainy, they're cold, they're shorter, we do not have a lot of light. And so, you know, it tricks our bodies and our minds into really thinking that we are at nighttime all day long. And so we get fatigued, we get feeling exhausted, unmotivated, you know, not as interested as we once were. So things that were, you know, really didn't seem that difficult when it was the nice summer months and the sunshine and the light like working out or gathering with friends are now, you know, a lot more difficult, take a lot more persistence to get up and do things. Often we don't want to be as social, you know, as we were gathering with friends. We kind of want to hibernate, right? Hide away and hibernate. And, and um, that's tough because, you know, those things like getting out, getting our body moving and being around, People that make us feel good are so good for our mental health, and it's just the opposite of what we feel like doing in these fall-winter months. So that's really so key, Serena. You're telling us how we react to this, and I I know I certainly relate to that, that I feel like I, I just want to stay shut in and hibernate. I think of those bears that just go into their caves for a number yeah. of months, right? Yes, exactly. So awareness, that that's a big piece, I think, of helping us to navigate through this. And would you say we allow ourselves to maybe be a little less busy, but know that we need to motivate ourselves to, to do something? Um, yes, I do. I think, you know... There's these pressures, right, to stay busy, to stay, you know, how we have always been. So 
So we're kind of fighting that, right, with this natural urge to hibernate and, and these pressures on us. And I do. I think there's there's got to be some self-compassion, right? Like, hey, this is natural that, you know, we, we are not going to be as active as, you know, motivated as, as we typically were. So, so some grace with that, right? Like mm-hmm. try not to beat yourself up about it, right? Because then that just gets into the shame cycle and it gets worse and we think, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm this and that or looking at people on social media and, oh, I should be taking vacations. I should be doing this and just feeling like, oh, I'm coming up short and it feels bad and it can, you know, make that worse. So some, some self-compassion with it, like this is, this is okay. This is normal. And at the same time, keeping an eye on it, right? Because if it's like, oh, I really, I'm turning down every social obligation or I haven't been out of the house in days and my mood is really tanking, you know, due to that, you know, we still want some level of activity and some level of, you know, seeing other people outside our house, right? It's going to be not as much as it was, but we do want some level of it to, to keep the mood balanced. So it seems to me that this is great to have the awareness, know to motivate ourselves to do something to, uh, well, just be somewhat active. But if it becomes such a thing of just really not being able to maybe even get out of bed, uh, except to maybe go to the bathroom, get some water, and just crawl back in, if that is happening we're talking about something a little more serious, aren't we? Right, exactly. That would be more like seasonal affective disorder or SAD. You know, that's a that's a depressive disorder. So the difference there is that, yes, it impacts your life, your functioning. So, right, so the obligations that I could do before, not just the working out in social events, but tasks, at work or going to work and housework or things around the house I was able to do before or even hygiene, right? Mm-hmm. Brushing teeth, taking showers, or I see my mood really negatively affecting my relationships. If it's interfering in your functioning in your daily world like that and it's, you know, over a matter of time and, hey, this isn't getting better and this isn't just a one-off day, this is days. And um, then that that would be more of a concern of a depressive disorder, such as seasonal affective disorder or SAD. And so if that's where we can uh, notice it ourselves or if someone uh, within our circle comments on this, would this be a time to seek professional help? Definitely. Definitely. If, if you're seeing that it is impacting you in that way where you're not functioning like you were and this isn't letting up, definitely talk to your doctor about it and see what the options are. There, there could be, you know, a few different kinds of options, right? There could be medications. Some people do light therapy. But those are definitely, you know, conversations to have with your physician. Is this right for me? 
So definitely a good thing to do. Talk with your primary care doctor so that there can be sort of a, what, this umbrella of management and seeing what the different courses of action will be, one of which would be meeting with someone like yourself who is a licensed mental health counselor, right? Right. Yes, therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy has been shown to be effective with depression or seasonal depression, anxiety. Yes, absolutely. You know, someplace to talk, to be heard, to learn coping skills, and, you know, reasonable coping skills, kind of meeting you where you're at and seeing what's possible and kind of building from there. So, absolutely. So this might be a new consideration for someone. So in terms of having a referral to see someone like yourself, what is it like? What is it that you would do with a client? In terms of like in sessions together or? Uh, Yeah, just to get a sense of what a person might expect to go on. Right. I like to meet people where they're at and kind of getting the goals from them. What do they hope for? What do they want to see different? You know, some people want to see more motivation. Some people want to see less of certain behaviors like, oh, I really want to stop this. Or, you know, I really want to manage my anxiety better, right? Um, We don't often put on there like, oh, I want to stop anxiety altogether, or I want to stop depression altogether, because we, again, we want this to be realistic, right? We want this to be something that, hey, we can really hope for, we really believe in, and um, we really think this is possible. So I want to learn coping skills. I want to manage my mood. I want to have less anxiety so it's not waking me up every night, those types of things. So we work together with those goals. And they, you know, they lead in the way that they talk and tell me, you know, what's concerning them. And then we work together to try to think about ideas of what can help um, and try out different things, have time to practice different things and come back and talk about it and say, hey, you know, did you try it? Was it helpful? Was it not helpful? And then go from there and tell you know, we're finding things that do help, that do resonate, and that they're likely to to try. And, you know, sometimes we have to keep trying, right? Because sometimes something will work for a while and then it'll stop being as effective. So then we kind of have to get back and get creative and say, okay, that worked for a while. Maybe we can put that in again. But, but let's go back to the drawing board. Let's see what else could help give some relief to these symptoms. So this is definitely a process. We need to expect that this is going to really be a journey, that it's not going to be one or two sessions, that um, it may need to go on for, well, months and maybe over a year, would you say? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Several people go in for months or over a year, sometimes years. It is. It just depends. Sometimes, you know, it's a it's a thing where they're like, okay, that's what I needed, and um, 
you know, it's pretty brief. And then sometimes, like you said, it's like deep kind of work that that gets, you know, into some some deep parts and and stories and a lot to unravel. And um, it definitely takes time. And, you know, we're so used to the behaviors that we do. And so those have take time to build, right? Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of times we want the quick fix. We want like, oh, I just want it to be better like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And and it takes time to to hone new skills. And, you know, sometimes I think it's like in the in the brain, right? There's these pathways we can go down. And this one's so well-worn, right? So it's so easy to slip down it and it's well grooved and we can just slip slip down it so easily and it's knee jerk and you know so it takes time it's like I think of it as having this little bitty shovel right that we're digging a a new pathway and with this tiny little shovel so it's going to help there's hope for sure and again it's going to take some time it's going to take some practice so when this happens I can go this way instead. That is so significant because we have this, I'm going to call it a terrible situation in our society where we're ready, we're always wanting the quick fix. We want the instant gratification. We want that microwave moment. I don't want to take a two hours in the oven, you know, let's do it for 30 seconds in the microwave. Yeah. That seems to, to be where we've arrived in our life. Yes. Absolutely. That is true. And it's true that I get that urgency and I get when you're ready, you're ready. You know, hey, I'm ready. I want to do this. And realistically, yes, it it takes time. It takes practice. It takes doing stuff outside of the therapy office. It takes that homework. It takes, you know, coming regularly, you know, that it does take that kind of time and dedication for sure. And I think it's important to then make known, taking the time, doing the work in a session, the homework really has great rewards in the process, but certainly way down the line, right? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's so rewarding to see people, you know, getting some motivation back and getting excited and feeling hope and it is so wonderful to see that 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 can happen and that does happen and that people have this ability to get better and heal and you know even after years of suffering right that there's hope it's possible that our brains you know they can change they can shift so you know no matter what your age is so that really helps me to say yes I love this work. This work is so rewarding to see what is possible with people and how, you know, they're stronger than they believe they are in most cases. And that's a wonderful thing to say. And it feels so encouraging, definitely hopeful. And so that's the thing to keep in mind because, as, as we said, the, during these shorter days, this there's this 
very real possibility of the seasonal affective disorder going on. And then the holidays, which can carry their own kind of what baggage with them for us. So at this time, it probably requires really more of that sense of awareness and looking to see what we need to do for ourselves. Right. Exactly. There can be so many different kinds of stressors this time of year, right? Like we already mentioned, the weather, then the pressures, right, of, hey, I have to buy these people gifts. I have to do it right. I have to make them happy. I have to um, spend this money that I may or may not have. You know, I feel obligated to be around family where there might be conflicts or, you know, challenging dynamics. I feel like maybe on the other hand, I don't have anywhere to go, right? I'm going to be alone this holiday and that brings up sadness, you know, that isolation. And then, you know, many people have told me that they have lost someone around the holidays. And so the holidays are a tough time in that way. It brings up their grief and their sadness. Or the holidays remind them of who's not there, who's not at the dinner table. And that brings up that sadness. So there's definitely lots of layers, lots of reasons why there's extra stress and pressure and anxiety and sadness and grief around this time. You know, that brings up a a really important uh, point, I think, Serena, and you're mentioning how during this time when we're celebrating, it's this festive time, but at this year, more than probably most past years, because of COVID, I think that there's a, a real possibility of many families and, and groups seeing that someone is not there. And to deal with that, have you spoken with any of your clients about that? Or do you have a sense of how is it best to acknowledge that and um, just blend it into what we're doing? Right. You know, taking some time to really think about that person or honor that person, if that person was really special to you. Um, It's great if people are willing to talk about it, you know, how healing that can be to talk in a group about somebody that, you know, everyone loved and cared for. It's tough because some people, you know, want to avoid those subjects or would rather not. But if they're willing to come together and say, hey, let's remember so-and-so and, you know, maybe let's talk about a memory of so-and-so. And that can bring up tears, but that can also be really healing, right? To let it out, to release it, to let the emotion out and to cry in a group can be really powerful. And, hey, we all have this shared experience. We all loved and missed, you know, this person. So taking just a little bit of time to do that could make a big difference to release it, to acknowledge it rather than trying to, you know, pretend like it's not there or ignore it, or it's just like kind of heavy in the room, it's unspoken. So, yeah, taking a little bit of time, I think, would be beneficial. And that sounds like a really 
wonderful honoring thing to do both for the person or even persons who are not there, along with those who are present, that um, acknowledging that there are these sad moments in our life, and yet life goes on. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's a good thing to think about as this month of December rolls on and we go into the new year of what we can do about this. So in looking at dealing with these stresses and with uh, depression, with the anxiety, does it strike men and women differently in equal numbers or not? Well, you know, in terms of stress and anxieties around this time of year, I, I'm i not seeing a, a big difference in terms of that. In terms of seasonal effect of it, it does impact women more. So I would definitely see more women struggling with that. And But all the stresses, not just of the holiday, but the increased anxiety because of the pandemic, all the uncertainties, you know, so much of what we know has changed. Not a lot of anchors there that used to be there. So much negative news, so much going on personally, nationally, globally, that we're seeing, yeah, increased stress, anxiety, even panic, you know, mm-hmm. across the board. And if we feel kind of grounded, and we see this in a friend or a family member, is there something we can do to help to be a better support? Absolutely. You know, I think it can be pretty simple enough, right? Like anything that can convey, I see you, I hear you, I care about you, you matter to me. So it could be if you have the time or energy, you could say, hey, you know, I noticed you're really overwhelmed. Is there anything I can do to help? You can ask that question if you have the ability to follow through with that. Or, hey, I'm going on a walk today. I'd love for you to join me. You know, please come out. You know, anything to try to pull them out of that, you know, comfort of their house. Um, and even to go smaller or lower, text message, a card, an e-card, even to say in a text message, you matter to me, you know, I'm thinking of you, I care about you. Some, some people tell me even an emoji, mm-hmm. even an emoji can make a big difference to, for that emoji to symbolize I'm thinking of you, I care, makes a big difference to them. It really comes down to kind of a very simple thing of just seeing the humanity in each other and recognizing we're in this together. And I, yes, as you said, I see you, I hear you, is so significant. Anybody to feel cared for and heard and seen, right, and somehow connected is a big deal for mood and health, mental health. And as we know, it's not just this time of year that it's weighing heavily. Certainly because of the pandemic, it seems to have become more 
pronounced. And you're likely seeing that in your work, that there's just an increase in the number of people reaching out, seeking support and help. Yes, definitely. Yeah, there's overflow everywhere, right? So many therapists, psychiatrists, psychologists are booked, overbooked. There's definitely shortages. We need more people in this field, right? It's a rewarding field. Of course, it can be tough like any other line of work, and it's got such big rewards in that, you know, it's so meaningful to help and to be there with somebody, and it's so rewarding. So it keeps you wanting to do the work and keeps you energized with the work because, again, like you see, hey, this progress is possible, and to be here with somebody and hear that, and it's huge. So if people are thinking about getting into this line of work, you know, we definitely need you. And it seems that that is another area of life that is going through transformation of what people want to do, how they want to do their work. And when there is this great need in terms of mental health support, being a licensed mental health counselor is significant, but it comes with I think a fair amount of training. So what could a person expect to need to do, Serena? Right. So it is a fair amount of training. So you have to go and get your undergraduate degree in college. And then if to be a therapist, you also have to get your master's degree. It's another, you know, two to three years to get your master's. And then to get licensed, you need about another two or three years to get the 3,000 hours to get licensed. So it is a bit of a long haul. And again, if you're passionate about it, to me, it was worth it. And yes, here you are sharing your work with us and helping us, encouraging us in our life, but also looking at whether this could be a career path, a really important career path. Helping another person just in general in life is so important and rewarding, right? Yes, absolutely. It helps to give that purpose and that meaning, you know, that so many are searching for. Mm. So it just feels good. It's really good for your own mood to do that. So, Well, that is certainly encouraging and highly motivating. So I hope that that's going to fall on some open ears and open hearts to really give this a good consideration because there is such a great need. And that need, I think, is underscored by the fact that we're becoming much more open, I think we are as a society, to the fact that mental health is something that needs addressing, that it's part of our overall health, and there should not be any kind of stigmas around it. Right. It's so common, right? You know, most people have some levels of it, right? Depression or anxiety. Um, It's definitely a spectrum, so some people, you know, suffer more than others. But I think at this point, most of us, if not all of us, can relate to some sort of mental health concern, whether that's anxiety, depression, other mood disorders. I think, especially after this pandemic, if you haven't experienced any of that, I would be surprised. So mm-hmm. I'm glad in that way that there's silver linings, that hopefully it won't be so taboo, such stigmas. Again, like we're all in this together. We all share 
some of these same feelings, right? These uncertainties, these doubts, this fear, this sadness, this grief, right? It's collective. So let's be aware. Let's have compassion for that. Not judge each other, but help each other and be there for each other. Oh, absolutely. That is beautiful. Thank you for stating it in that way, Serena. You're welcome. Be compassionate to yourself, too, right? The big thing is, like, meet yourself where you're at, you know, being realistic and do what you can. Try not to put too much pressure, right? Like, hey, I can do this today. I can do five minutes of this today. I can do 10 minutes of this today. You know, it can look different every day. And if you have a down day, try not to get into the spiral of like, oh, tomorrow's going to be shot too. Think of tomorrow as a new beginning, right? Maybe I can do five or 10 minutes of this. So when you're feeling down, not overwhelming yourself, but doing what you can, being realistic and meeting yourself where you're at. And again, doing what's possible, having compassion. If you get the beat up thoughts, try to let them go and say, you know what, I'm going to talk to myself like I were a friend or, you know, an animal. I'm going to try to give myself that same grace and care and be realistic with myself and kind. That is beautiful and definitely words of wisdom. Well, I do thank you so greatly, Serena Short, for taking time with us this morning. It's really been so insightful and certainly helpful. So thank you greatly. Yes, thank you so much, Kate. It was wonderful to be on here. I really love talking to you. Well, thank you. The feeling's mutual. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Serena Short and Sunday Morning Magazine with Luke Miner. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of reflecting on the things that are good and important in our life. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend or another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.